Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Father, we're, we're so grateful this morning. And Father, we look to you because you are our help. You're our promise. You're our faithfulness. You're everything to us, Father. And we give you the praise and the glory. Father, we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Oh, my. The Holy Ghost. That is our help. And, Lord, I just draw on his strength right now. And I ask you to help me to, that this is not just a, just a message, Lord, but it would be helpful to us that we could apply these truths and really look into our heart this morning. And if there are adjustments that need to be made, Father, we'll just make them while we're sitting here. And uh, we thank you for uncovering and revealing the truths of your word. And we just believe, Father, right now for the Holy Spirit to have his way. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, I just yield myself to you as best I know how. And I give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for divine revelation. Thank you for divine utterance to be given to me this morning. And thank you for these that are here for the revelation of your word to just hit them in the heart today, not the head, but in their heart, that they'll be able to run with what they hear and change where they need to change. And we give you all the praise and glory. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, you could be seated this morning and I'm just so honored, as always, when, when Dr. Jacobs asked me. I never, I never expect it. I never, um, you know, come with an expectation that he's going to ask me to minister. But I am so grateful and humbled to stand before you, some of you great men and women of God that are doing great things in the earth. And I so appreciate Dr. Jacobs when he says things like that. You know, it reminds me of, of Dr. Dufresne. Because Dr. Dufresne has had a way like Dr. Jacobs has a way. And I'm doing my best not to call him dad, but it's, I always call him dad, but I want to give honor to that too. But at the same time, you know, uh, Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Dufresne would always say, they would always make you feel whether you had four people or 4,000 people, you were always the same. They didn't try to amp one up and lower one down. You know, and so it doesn't make any difference how many people you got in your church. What makes a difference is if you're doing the will of God or not. That's all that matters. I mean, all of us should want our churches to grow. I think that's a natural thing. But we need to let the Holy Ghost do it. Because uh, you can grow something you can re- regret. <laughs> and you don't want to grow something you want to regret later. No, you want to grow something you can grow with. And uh, so I just, I leave my platform up to God and I just do what I'm supposed to do. And that's his business. You know, I just do my best to feed the sheep and being a good pastor. But it's an honor. Thank you so much for for allowing me to to speak. It's a great privilege for me. Let's open our Bibles this morning. You got your Bible with you? To Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And um, over the last few months in my church, I've been talking about Uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. You know, a lot of times when people hear the word Holy Spirit, they often think about tongues or they think about something that's radical or something that's extreme. But it's important that we realize and understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. 
He is the third part of the Godhead, and He's a person. And if we recognize and realize that and live our life that way, live our life like He is a person, then we won't grieve Him in a lot of areas of our life that sometimes we do. And so I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about not grieving the Holy Spirit, not grieving Him. You need to see Him as a person. All of us want the power of God in our lives. All of us want the power of God in our services. All of, all of us want to see a tremendous manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you that the manifestation or the power of God in your life and the power and the manifestation of the Spirit in a service is directly correlated to how we respond to Him in private. It's how we live behind the scenes. How we respond to Him when He speaks to, to us about things in our life that are grieving Him. So we all want the power of God. We all want to see Him move in a dramatic way. And I think that's great and I think that's right. I think we all want to see miracles and signs and wonders. We want to come in and, you know, run around the church and we want people to fall out in the Holy Ghost and the blind to see and the lame walk. And we want to see limbs grow out. We want to see all these marvelous, magnificent manifestations of God's power flowing in our churches all the time. And let me just say this. There is no lack of power. There is no lack of power. The issue remains with us. Is are we cooperating with God? Are we cooperating with the Holy Spirit when He prompts us in areas of our life that are shutting the power down? Amen. You know, Brother Hagen made this statement, and uh, well, he, I didn't hear him make this. He made it through, I think it was Keith Moore, one of the guys that followed him. But it always stood with me for years. He said, for us to have a greater manifestation of God's power, this is what Brother Hagin said. He said, for us to have a greater manifestation of God's power, there must come a restoration of honor. There must come a restoration of honor. We've got to learn to honor Him, not just in our services, but honor Him in our own personal lives. When we honor, when our honor is missing, the power is missing. When our honor is missing, the power is missing. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you because you grieve Him, or the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you because you sin. How many of y'all know He's in you because of the blood, and He sees the blood, not you? But we can grieve the Holy Spirit, and we can hinder His power in our life. And so the more skillful we become in listening and obeying, the more power we're going to see. God is not going to pour out His power and His glory and His manifestation and His miracle power on a people that are dishonorable. That people can't even find their way to church. People are people not in the Word. People aren't doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Things happening behind the scene will short-circuit what we see in a service. So we want God to pour out your blessing, pour out your power, pour out your glory, pour out this, pour out, see people get up out of the way. We want all that, and all that is great. So it's not God holding back power. It's not God holding back the things that He wants to do. It's us not cooperating with Him that holds the power back. 
We got to learn to get out of the way and we got to learn to respond to him. So when he says there must come a restoration of honor, I see that as a pastor. I've been pastoring for almost 21 years in Georgetown. I see this all the time. People are dishonorable. And I preach on honor and honor and honor, and they do what they want to do. And you know what? You're always going to do what you want to do. I always tell people you're always where you want to be. If you want to be here, you'll be here. If you don't want to be here, you won't be here. Isn't that right? So you're always where you want to be. And we can't live dishonorable lives and expect honor in a service. The preacher could be ready to go. The praise team could be ready to go. Everybody's ready to go. The ministry of helps is ready to go. But then we bring an atmosphere of disobedience. We bring an atmosphere of not cooperating with, the, with God the rest of the week. And we bring all that in the, into a service. And it does affect a service. Are y'all with me today? So when he's talking about a restoration of honor, I believe 2022, what God wants to do will far exceed anything he's ever done. That's in his heart. That's what he wants to do. But how many of y'all know he has to cooperate with us? We can stand up and say, these are the things that are going to be in 2022, but that's not automatic. We've got to cooperate with him and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And learn to cooperate with him. Because when you're talking about the word honor, the word honor means to be weighty. It means to be heavy. It's like something like a heavy coat that you get wet and you put it on and it weighs you down. So when you're thinking about honor, it's really God's word having so much weight in your life that you honor it. Dr. Dufresne would always talk about honor. He would talk about honor in the way you dress, honor in the way you talk, honor in the way you live your life, honor in the way you communicate. Honor ought to be the thread that runs through our lives that people can see the honor of God. When they see the honor of God, they'll see the power of God. Amen. So when you're talking about honor, you're talking about a weight. You're talking about the word has so much weight in your life that you don't want to disobey it. That when the pastor is preaching the word or whoever's preaching the word, it is God's word to me. And it is God's direction for my life. It is God literally speaking to me. And if I honor God, then his word would carry so much weight in my life that you would, I would find myself obeying it. I would be doing it, not arguing with it, but obeying it. So we all want to see the power of God in our life, but do we all want to live honorable? Do we all want to honor God's word? Well, I don't know about you, but I want to honor God's word. So when God and the pastor, this pastor here, Pastor Jordan, gets up, how you receive him, how you receive the word he preaches should carry weight. And when it carries weight, then I make adjustments. So correction is going to be a big thing. Correction and obedience are twins. You've got to learn to hear the word, to let it correct you. I always say it this way. Correction is like correcting a course. If you look at correction this way, you won't get offended. So if the word of God is coming forth and you know the word of God hit you and you know where you, what you're doing is wrong, but you correct the course and you make the correction and you repent and you obey God's word, you've literally received correction and now correction in and of itself has corrected a course that was going wrong. 
We're not looking at it personally like the pastor's attacking me or someone's attacking. No, it, it's, it's got the Holy Spirit, the person inside me is trying to help correct a course that is going wrong. That we no longer argue with the Word of God. The Word of God becomes everything to us. That I want to hear the Word to correct the course. That's what correction is really all about. So correction and obedience are essential to the manifestation of the power of God. Obedience and correction are essential for the manifestation. Why don't you think we see the manifestation of the power of God the way we, we all want to see it? Look at the landscape of the church. The church looks more like the world than it does the church. Jesus' idea of the church was to be a ruling force on the planet, not to look like the world. And so God is not going to pour out His Spirit on a people that are dishonorable. They're not living the way they should. And this isn't a criticism or I'm not trying to attack you today. I'm just trying to show you that sometimes we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, not realize it's the voice of the Holy Spirit coming through the pastor or, or our own spirit telling us, you need to make some changes. And we look at correction as optional. Instead of looking at correction thinking, praise God, you know. I've got my help today. I can't tell you how many times, how many years I sat under Dr. Jacobs and came to church and thought, my God, I ain't doing nothing right. <laughs> Seriously. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And I remember him saying, well, you put your toes out there, I'll stomp on them. I'll put them out there because I want correction. Because I know without correction and I know without listening to the Holy Spirit through my man and woman of God, I know that, that, that life's not going to turn out the way I want. Well, praise the Lord. So correction is, and obedience is, a, is, is essential to the manifestation. We hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness, and we hold on to things against one another. We don't receive our healing. We don't receive our breakthrough. We don't receive our whatever we're believing God for. So we try to pray more, and it's not a lack of power, and it's not a lack of faith. It's a lack of adjusting our life to him. So Paul deals with this very thing with the church of Ephesus in this, in this scripture here. Did you find Ephesians 4 yet? And look at this here. I want you to see this. And it says here in verse number 17, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. In other words, the word vanity means you're morally corrupt. He said, don't walk like other people walk. Right. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, or the anointed one in his anointing, who is he talking about there? The Holy Ghost. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation. What is he saying? If you've heard the Holy Spirit, you've heard the word of God, you've heard the truths of God's word, why don't you respond to those truths? Yes. Yeah. That you put off. Notice it's not God putting them off. 
you put off concerning the formal conversations, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man. You're putting off one man, you're putting on a new man. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now I want to read verse 22 and verse 24 in the Amplified. It says, strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusions. And be ye constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude, and put on a new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. See, when you and I got born again, we didn't bring God into our lifestyle. We didn't bring God into our lifestyle for God to fit into our lifestyle. That's the problem with believers. We get born again, want to get born again, but then we want to bring God into our lifestyle and continue to live the same way we did before we got born again. And Paul's telling the Christians at Ephesus, he's saying, listen, that was your former life. You're supposed to be doing something about that former life. God's already redeemed you. You've got to strip that old man off. You've got to do something and you've got to put on the new man. So I'm not bringing God into my life for God to, 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 to be part of that. No, God was brought and the Holy Spirit was brought into my life to renew me, to change me, to change the way I live, to change the way I think. And he does that by the word of God. As I submit myself to the Lord. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says we are what? The temple of the Lord. That we are to glorify God and to honor God in this temple. That we are to be so conscious. And this is the thing the Lord's been talking to me about. That we should be so conscious of the Holy Spirit that he guides our voice. That he guides our action. That we're so aware of his presence. I can't go there no more. I can't do that no more. I can't be around him no more. I am so aware of his presence. And when we become so aware of God's presence and the one who lives on the insides of us, it'll change the way you live. The problem with believers is, is we just, we suppress that voice. We do what we want to do. We go over top of what the Holy Spirit's telling us. We're trying to fit God into our lifestyle and God's trying to get you out of that lifestyle. You're trying to fit God into that and God says, I ain't fitting in that. What are you doing with me? I ain't fitting in that. We don't go there no more. We don't talk that way no more. We don't go to those places no more. Why are you carrying me there? Why are we sitting there watching this rated R movie? Why are we sitting there watching this, all this cursing and all this trash? Don't carry me there. And the Holy Spirit is trying to say, don't go there. Don't do that. We suppress the voice, suppress the voice, suppress the voice, suppress the voice. Do what we want to do. And he's saying, listen, you, you used to be this way. You ain't supposed to be that way no more. You're supposed to put some things away. Are you with me? So Paul is encouraging the believers. He's not talking to heathen here. He's, he's talking to believers and he's encouraging them. Get right. Get your life right. Get these things out of your life. Get all this vainglory out. Get all these lusts out. And that's not sexual things. 
Get all these lusts out for things. Desire me. Fellowship with me. Learn me. Spend time with me. And I'm becoming more conscious every day of his presence. And you'll find yourself holding your tongue. Not giving your opinion where you want to give it. You'll find yourself, you're not going somewhere you don't need to go no more. That you can't hang out with them people no more. Because they are affecting you. They are affecting your appetites. They are affecting your atmosphere. They are affecting everything about you. And when they start affecting you, guess what they affect? The power that lives on the inside of you. Power on the inside is affecting. And you need a miracle. And you need healing. And you need deliverance. And can't get it. And the healer lives in you. But you can't find him manifesting. Can't find him manifesting that healing. Can't find him manifesting that, 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 that idea or that breakthrough or that, that whatever you're believing God. Can't seem to find it. Can't seem to connect. Well, the problem isn't the Holy Spirit. The problem is we got to look on the inside of us. Are we grieving the Holy Spirit? What are we doing? Are we participating in things we shouldn't participate in? Are we responding to the Holy Spirit the way we should be responding to Him? Are we not treating Him like a person? He's a person. He doesn't have a flesh body, but He's a person. Look at the, hold your place there. Let's go over here real quick. Well, Jesus, help me. First Peter, look at this, First Peter 1. I'm telling you, we get this right. There's no power. There's no problem with the power. <laughs> you know, we pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for revival, for power, for this, for that. We ought to pray for people to respond to the Holy Ghost. Why don't we start praying? Father, I pray that the people will respond to the preaching of the word. Nothing wrong with praying for the revival and all those things. It was like Brother Hagin said, you don't see the manifestation of God because people just prayed. He responds to our hunger and our obedience to God's word. So I can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and live in rebellion. I ain't going to see no power. And it, and it dilutes your hunger. Your hunger more for the things of the world than you are for the things of God. We have a power problem now. Well, praise God. Look at this in First Peter. And that's what the Lord's speaking to me about this new coming year. There's got to be a different level of dedication, consecration. A different level of consecrating ourselves, yes. positioning ourselves more for Him to work through us, yes. preparing ourselves for God to do great things through us, yes. preparing me, yes. me being dedicated, right. me being consecrated. Me thinking about where I'm going. What am I thinking about? What am I doing? Where am I spending my time? Who am I around? Where am I at? To position myself for God to use me beyond where he's used me to help humanity. 
Now, First Peter here, it says in verse Peter chapter 15, Peter speaking here, it says in verse 15, but as he with have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle. Right. He said, be holy. You know what the word holy means? It simply means to live your life inside of God's word. Yes. Holiness is not something that's outwardly. Holiness is of the heart. That I, that I want to live my life in line with God's word. That it's not just wearing a jean dress and a bun on my head. That's not holy. Ain't nothing holy about that. Ain't nothing pretty about that. If I want to live a holy life, I'm simply saying I'm living a life that is in line with God's word. I'm sensitive to his voice. I'm sensitive to his word, and I'm prompt to obey it. That's holy. Because that's what he just says. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect or persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. He said, listen, if this is really, if you're really listening to me, He's saying, what I'm trying to tell you is, is come out from among the world. Realize where you've missed it. Go back to, to believe in the word, speaking the word, obeying the word. And the time that you have on this planet, sojourn here in honor. In other words, you come through this journey in fear. Fear means reverence. Fear means honor. It doesn't mean you're afraid of God. So he's saying here, listen, you ought to be holy, be holy. You are not holy. You have to be holy. Are you with me? You have to be. In other words, you got to work on you. I got to work on me. You don't have to work on the person beside you. Believe me, you got enough work to do. So I'm not working on that part. I'm working on be holy. So I'm going to be holy, which means I've got to work God's word into my life. And I'm going to live my life all through the time that I have here, reverencing him, honoring him, honoring him in the way I talk, honoring him in the way I live, honoring him in the way I dress, honoring him in the way I conduct myself, living a life of excellence, living a life that honors God while I'm in this planet. And that's what Peter is talking about. Goes right there beautifully with Ephesians chapter 4. Yes. He's telling people to come out from among the world. Now go back to Ephesians real quick. Praise the Lord. So he's saying here in, the, in, this, in this, this, this chapter so powerful. Deb was, was referring to the gifts of the Spirit prior to that. I mean the, the ministry gifts. But then he goes down through here and he starts talking about what can hinder? See, I don't think we think about things like Dad was talking about last night. I mean, you think about that. He's talking about these wonderful fivefold ministry gifts. This is the way I think it. He's talking about all these wonderful fivefold ministry gifts, and then he wraps into this thing about not living right. He's talking now about the way we live, the way we conduct our life. What are we doing with our life? And I think that has a direct correlation to the ministry gifts having, having a place in our life. Yeah. And not grieving the Holy Spirit. So he says here, and these verses of scriptures that I'm going to read now tell you how you can grieve. It's not a complete list, but it did help you to realize some things. 
So he says in verse 25, this is how we grieve the Holy Spirit. Wherefore, putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Some people have a trouble with lying. For we are members one of another, lying to one another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. How do we give place to the devil? Through sin. Through not listening. Through not correcting our course. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which are good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt, that, that word corrupt means rotten, rotten speech. Don't let any rotten speech proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You can preach an hour on any of these things. Yeah. So he's talking now about our mouth and the way we talk and the way we carry ourselves through words. And then look at the next verse. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now notice, all these things, this is what causes the Holy Spirit to be grieved. I don't know that we understand how uh, fully, I know I don't, fully how I can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, when you grieve somebody, this word grieve means to, to cause heaviness, to experience sorrow or pain. And really in the Greek, it denotes the emotion of a betrayed spouse. How they feel betrayed, lied to, and deceived. So you and I, through the way we live and the way we conduct ourselves, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and gratify the flesh and live carnally. And Paul is trying to tell him here, listen, you used to be that way. But now you're starting to teeter back that way again because he's talking to Christians. And now he's telling them to put off those old things and put on some new things. So evidently they put them off before and all of a sudden they're having things coming back in their life that they're not dealing with. They're not letting, they're not, listen, they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he's telling them to get these things out of their life. And now Paul's bringing correction here is trying to say, listen, put those things off. Why? Because you're grieving the Spirit. And when you grieve the Spirit, you shut the power of God down in your life. So he's correcting the saints at Ephesus, the Ephesians, because why? They're living carnal lives. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we live compromised lives. When we compromise and we don't listen to him. And the word of God comes and we, we look at it as optional and we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not prompt to his, his, uh, his, his promptings. To put things away. You know, first, was it 1 Thessalonians 5, 19? It says, quench not the spirit. You can grieve the spirit, but quenching the spirit, in the Greek, it means to suppress his power. It means to suppress, to put out. So when we grieve the spirit of God because of the way we live, I believe that God is right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is right now trying to bring correction and trying to bring help to his body 
for the power to be manifested in our services and in our own personal lives. But it can't happen without correction. It can't happen without us correcting this course and really looking inwardly and asking the Father, am I right with you? Have I suppressed your voice in my life? Where I'm doing things, participating in things, being around people, doing things you don't want me to do? I think we have to, we were coming to a point where there's less, less margin for error if we're really going to walk in this new era of power. And so the Holy Spirit, every day I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit. Am I doing anything? Am I, am I moving with you? Am I flowing with you? I'm conscious of you like when angels come and I, I, can, I, I don't see them, but I discern in the spirit that they're there. I know they're there. I can sense them. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to be that sensitive to the Holy Spirit that I'm sensitive from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. I want to honor you. I don't want to come across a person that needs your power and I have put it out. That I'm doing something that's not cooperating with your power. Amen. How many of y'all know you can interrupt the power? The power comes to the source, but you got to flip the switch to have the power flowing. And obedience and correction will flip that switch. Amen. So it grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't live an honorable life and we suppress His power in our own life. It's never a lack of power. But it's a lack of cooperation on our part. I was driving the other day. I was going somewhere. And the Lord started talking to me about faith. He started talking to me. I'm driving in my truck. I had to pull over. So I pulled over. I said, wait a minute here. I got to get, write this down. And this is what the Lord told me. I was driving down this road, driving. He said, it's not a lack of faith that keeps people from receiving. Rather, it's the areas of our life that are unresponsive to the Holy Spirit that hinders us from receiving. So it's not always a lack of faith. Well, you just need more faith. No, you got all the faith you'll ever need. It keeps people from receiving. Rather, it's areas of our life that are unresponsive to the Holy Spirit that hindered us from receiving. So over a period of time, it doesn't happen immediately, but over a period of time, if the Lord's been dealing with you about your faith, being dealing with you about a situation or areas of your life, and you're unresponsive towards Him, eventually it will start having a negative effect on your life. Not only are you opening the door to the enemy, but you're shutting the power of God down that's on the inside of you. How do we respond to him when he corrects us? How do we respond to him? When he's speaking to you about areas of your life, putting away the computer, putting away the social media, stop arguing on the internet with people. You get on there and fuss and fight about stupid stuff. Just wait. I'm thinking, how'd they got that much time? See, I don't see it. I ain't got time for that. I ain't going to get on there and argue with some preacher over something stupid. I ain't got time for that. I got, I got people I need to feed. I got lives on the line. I ain't got time for that. I'm going to be sensitive to him. I never do that. I never get on and see what anybody posts because I don't have no Insta crap account anyway. <laughs> You got one, that's your business. I just ain't got time for it. And it's not always the big sins. And it's not always the big things that grieve God. How about the small areas of our life that are unsensitive towards Him? 
How about when he talks to us about our mouth? How about when he talks to us about places we go? How about when he talks to us about the way we respond? How, how about your time when he talks to you about you never now have no time for me? You got time for everybody else. You can't find no time for me. You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't go to, you go to church whenever it's convenient. You, you come and go. You're really not that on fire for God. So unresponsive to him. And when we're unresponsive to him in those areas of our life, stop being so critical. We just keep being critical. Stop holding unforgiveness. We're just going to hold unforgiveness. Stop being so bitter. We're just going to hold on to bitterness. Stop hanging out with them people. We still hang out with them. Stop going to places you shouldn't be going to. We still go to those places. Stop watching that program on TV. You're You're getting a blood transfusion from hell. You just sit there, eat your popcorn and drink. Oh, this is so great. And the people are cursing, using all kind of language, unresponsive to the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden, something shows up in our life. Oh, I need a miracle. Praise God, I need a miracle. I'm not being critical. I'm not being trying to be funny either. I'm trying to be honest with you that we want to see the power of God. We have a big part to play in that. It's not God where you are. God said, where are you at? Where are you? Where are you in all this responsiveness? Why won't you respond to me in these areas of your life that I've been dealing with you and dealing with you and dealing with you and dealing with, but they're unresponsive? Well, eventually we grieve the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave us, but we grieve him. And when we grieve him, when we grieve him, things don't work for us. Are you with me? We're shutting down his power. Man, I started seeing that, and you know what the Lord showed me? Hebrews 3, you don't have to turn there. Hebrews 3, 7 through 13 there, where they hardened their heart because they wouldn't listen. He said, when you hear his voice, when you hear his voice, how are you going to hear his voice? How about through your pastor? How about through your mate? How about through somebody that's around you that you trust? How about the Holy Spirit within you? When you hear his voice, what did he say? Harden not your heart. When you harden your heart, that's a stubborn heart. That's a, that's a heart that, that, that you, you, you can't get anything through. It's like a hardened heart. He said, and because they wouldn't listen to me, they wouldn't respond to me. There was no response out of them toward me. He said, they ain't entering into what I had for them. So God has something for us, but it's not automatic. God said, there's some things I want you to enter into. There's some things I want to do in your life. There's some places I want to take you. There's some things I want you to do. There's some places I want to go with you. But they're not automatic. Are we cooperating? Do we cooperate with him when he talks to us about areas of our life? Or do we just suppress them? The Holy Spirit is a person. And he lives in you. If you're born again, he lives in you. He is not a tongue. He is a person. And just like you can grieve the person sitting next to you, you can grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. And when that happens, it shuts everything down. We have to get to a place that we're living more aware of his abiding presence. That we're aware. Look at this in James. I don't have much more time, but look at this. Are you getting some help? James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And of course, Pastor James here, 
he, uh, he's dealing with the same thing. Now he's talking here to, to Jewish Christians. And this is important that I made that mention. But look at this in James 1. It says, from whence come war, James chapter 4 verse 1, from whence comes war and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust and the war that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Listen to what he says to them. You adulterers. Now that's a heavy statement telling Jewish Christians that you're adulterers. Because they would never do that. He said in the Greek, this is adulterers. This has adulterers and adulterers. It's the same word. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's pretty straight and it's pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> Amplified verse 4, it says, you are like unfaithful wives. Wow. Remember what I told you at the beginning? The grieve not the spirit. It's almost like a, someone having an adulterous affair. Listen to this. It says, you are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses, whoever chooses, it's a choice, to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. So if I want my way so much, God said, you're standing against me. How's my power going to get to you when you're standing against me? I'm talking to you about areas of your life, but you're standing against me. You won't relinquish those areas of your life. You won't let go of those things. So when Paul is speaking to these Jewish Christians, he's telling them you have committed spiritual adultery. He said you're acting like an adulterer. They're starting to drift back into the world and becoming more and more worldly. They are participating in things they used to despise allowing their flesh to pull them from God and what they know is right. And they are living as a friend of the world. The friend of the world in the Greek means you have made so many exceptions for yourself. What used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. And you have become worldly. They used to bother someone when they, they missed a service, but then they keep missing services and they don't bother no more. That cussing used to bother you, but now you've just, you've just so suppressed that voice that it just don't bother you no more. Drinking don't bother you no more. Being critical don't bother you no more. You've made so many exceptions for yourself. And that's the hour in which we live right now. That many people want to foster their own errors. As Paul tells us in Timothy. This word grieve means to experience sorrow like spiritual adultery. That's just heavy, isn't it? And one thing about adultery is it didn't happen overnight. Nobody wakes up and goes, I think I'm going to go sleep with somebody today. It seemed like a good day to do it. Going to go jack up with somebody. Just have a little adultery today. Praise the Lord. No, nobody does that. Right? No, it's working on you. 
Things start working on you, working on you, working on you, working on you. Then it works on your mind. Then it starts working on your thinking and it starts working a little bit at a time. And before long, you have made so many exceptions for yourself. You're asking, you don't receive. It's not working no more. You're starting to drift away and drift away and drift away like spiritual adultery. And the Holy Spirit is like, wait a minute here. Don't you remember all those ups and downs we had together? Don't you remember those times you were, you were, you, you, you couldn't have made it through and, and I helped you get on the other side? Don't you remember that time when you were sick and I raised you up? Don't you remember the time you didn't have no money and I brought you through? Don't you remember all those memories we have together, how we walked together, talked together, we flown together, flew together, we're, we're with each other all the time? Don't you remember all those times you had no way of getting out, but I got you on the other side of that? And now this is the way you're treating me? That's that's the way a spouse would be. How could you do this to me? How could you do this? We've been married for so many years. We've been married together, walking together. All these memories. We have children. We have all these things going on together. How could you do this to me? This is the indication here that Paul's trying to tell him, you have committed spiritual adultery. You don't remember the one who brought you out. Because you've made so many exceptions. And when you make so many exceptions, you find yourself becoming a friend to the world. Those things that you overcome are now overcoming you again. And it don't start overnight. It just starts a little bit at a time. How could you go after the world that I delivered you out of? How could you go after things that I delivered you from? What about me? What about the one in you? How could you go back to them people that I delivered you out of? Well, so it grieves the Holy Spirit when we become a friend of the world. And you know what? He groans on the inside. Of all of us. And you know what he groans? Get right. Repent. I know there's a teaching going around the body of Christ. It's not right. You don't have to repent. You never have to repent. You know. So stupid. But it hurts the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit. On the inside of you groans. You know why he groans? The Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts you in righteousness. He said he's coming to the convict the world of sin, but the believer in righteousness. What does that mean? That means when I don't line up with the word and I don't do what the word says, he's, he's convicting me that I missed the word here. Because he doesn't use our sin against us. Because sin causes what? Grieving and condemnation and all that. Holy Spirit don't do that. So when you, when you miss the Holy Ghost, it's not the sin he's using to wear you out. He's saying, no, you missed it in the Word. You should not have said that to them. I told you to have sweet lips. I told you to have, be kind one to another, and you weren't kind to one another. He uses the Word to convict us in righteousness. And then we make that chain. Well, Father, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that to Pastor Jordan. I shouldn't have said that to this part. I, I shouldn't have, you're right. I shouldn't have watched that TV show. I repent of that right now. I plead the blood over my mind. Forgive me, Lord. I'm going to be conscious and responsive to you. I don't need to watch that show no more. 
I don't need to watch that gore and that blood and that taking people's lives and killing people and all those sorts of things. I don't need to watch that no more. I'm going to live my life for you. And I'm going to do my best to honor you. We'll close with this scripture. Romans 12. I've been going for 47 minutes. So we're all right. A lot more to be said, but that's enough to be able to get you to think about things. Think about your own life. Think about where you spend your life, what you spend your life on. Romans chapter 12, and it says in verse 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren, or I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Look at this, which is your reasonable service. That's your reasonable service. And the Amplified, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, listen to the words there. I don't have time to deal with that, but pause. It's almost like an urgency. This word beseech means get a hold of this. Right. It's almost like if I grabbed you by the shirt collar and said, listen to me. That's what, the, that's what Paul's saying here. I beseech you. The Amplified says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all these mercies of God. Think about the mercies of God. Oh, my goodness. He said, in view of all these mercies, all these times I've delivered you, all these times I've brought you out, all these, times, all these things I've done in your life, consider the mercies. Yes. To make a decisive, look at this, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God. Look at this. Which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. He says, in view of all these mercies. Has God been merciful to you? How many of y'all say God has been merciful to me? He said, in view of all that. In view of all that, it ought to affect the way you live. In view of all the times I brought you, in view of all those mercies, in view of all the times that you cried out to me and I answered those prayers and I moved in your life, and all those mercies, didn't know how you was going to get out. I got you on the other side of it. Didn't know how this thing was going to happen, but I got you through it. In view of all that, all those things that's going on in your life, all the times you couldn't pay your bills and all of a sudden someone slipped you a 20 or a 100 or, 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 or your rent got paid and you got a sack of groceries or someone gave you gas money. In view of all these mercies and all that I've done in your life, why don't you present yourself to me, God, Holy Spirit? And that's just your reasonable sacrifice. After all I've done for you. I can't tell you how many times when I started tithing in this church under Pastor Doc Dad or Dr. Jacobs and making those adjustments and nobody knowing I needed money. Came to church, gave my $18 tithe. Without that $18 tithe, I wouldn't be standing here today. Because it had to do with correction and obedience. Sitting there listening to him talk about tithing and I gave that $18. One of the hardest things I ever did. And someone come up and give me a 20 for gasoline because I didn't have enough gas to go the next day after I paid that tithe. Yes, sir. And sometimes we didn't have a lot of groceries in the cupboard, but we always had something. Mercies. God's mercies. Thought you were going down. Now you're going over. Mercies. 
Yesterday looked bad. Today looks better. And God, how God turned it around in 24 hours. You went from one place and you thought you were done. And the next day, the birds sound better. Everything's brighter. You're on the other side of that. In view of all those mercies. What did he say? Our, my response should be towards that. My response towards you, Father, is I'm going to dedicate myself at a different level to you. That whatever you tell me to do, whatever you say to me, whatever area of my life that is not bringing you glory and is not bringing you honor, you show me. And I will be a prompt doer. I will obey your voice no matter what it costs. It'll cost you friends. It'll cost you people. It'll cost you things. And God will put his finger on areas that you don't even put your finger on. Yes, he will. He said, you need to cut this. You cut that out of your life. You cut them out of your life. You cut that out of your life. Whatever it is. Why? Because he's trying to control you? No, he's trying to position you for his power to flow through you. Unhindered. And just think, when we all live that way, and we all come in here, and Pastor Jordan is preaching, what could happen? We all write. We all have the same atmosphere. We all have the same heart. We're all flowing into unity. Power shows up because then God honors us with his power. God honors us by healing and delivering and set people free and testimonies and testimonies and testimonies come. But you know what the body of Christ is waiting on? We're just waiting on God to one day just, you know, like going to the water park, just stand under the big bucket and watch it fall on me. Not thinking that we can do anything to cause it to happen. We're just going to go there and let's stand under the bucket and wait. Here's about ready to come. And it's going to splash on us. You know, we're trying to get in the splash zone. Yeah, we're trying to get in the splash zone. Instead of going, no, you know what? What I can do is I can present myself as a living sacrifice and I can work on me every day. I can work on my toot every day. I can work on my life every day. I can work on my giving every day. I can work on me every day so that when I show up at church, God can show up and do what he wants to do. This is a problem. This is the issue. One of them. Amen. Amen. What could happen? Anything. Anything. The passion, I like what the passion says, and I'm going to stop. Dad gave me an hour, and I've been 54 minutes, so I'm doing good. (laughs) Passion says, beloved friends, listen to this, beloved friends, what should be our proper response? This is amplified. Notice he says, What shall be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be our response? To surrender yourself to God, to be his sacred living sacrifice, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Man, I love that. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. I won't read that one more time. Beloved friends, what should be our response to God's marvelous mercies? First, I got to realize all the mercies, and I don't know them all, but just the ones that really stand out. I don't know about you. I've been in some pickles at times. 
and not knowing how I'm going to get out, and all of a sudden I'm out. Oh, praise God, I'm out of that. Yeah. I remember one time I was going through a trial. It wasn't me, it was someone else. And I thought, Lord, if I had one of them Holy Ghost fast-forward remotes, this would be really good right now. I'd just do two years. Boop, done. Because <laughs> there was so much pressure and so much whatever on me, I thought if that would exist, I probably would take it right now because of the pressure. Yeah. The pressure gets on you. But then what you learn through it, and then you get on the other side of it, you realize the mercies of God is what brought you through. And his mercies are new every morning. And you realize his power got you through. And you realize his love got you through. And you realize his faithfulness got you through. That it's not something that we just sing. It's something that we live. That we live for him. And when you live that way, you will see miracles and signs and wonders all around you. Because you're living a life that's honorable and worthy of the Lord. Yeah. It says, beloved friends, what should be our response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Man, that's just awesome. When we have experienced the mercies, grace, and love of the Spirit... We find a very powerful reason not to grieve the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to stop. When we have experienced the mercy, grace, and love of the Spirit, we find a very powerful reason not to grieve the Spirit. See, if you can go back and remember, there's more to be said, but that's enough, praise God. If you go back and remember all the times God brought you through, and then think about your own life, how you live, and living a life that doesn't grieve Him. And if we're in sin, we get out. We put off that old man and put on the new man. Amen. Amen. Are you with me today? Yes, Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up. And I just want to say this prayer. If you want to say this prayer with me, just a prayer of repentance. And if, the, and if the Holy Spirit has put his finger on some area of your life where you feel like, you know what, Lord? I didn't really even think that that was an issue. But, you know, that's you speaking to me. And I'm going to make that correction. So if we need to repent, I'm just going to lead us in a word of repentance or a time of repentance. And if you want to pray this prayer, you can pray it with me. If you don't, that's, that's, that's fine too. So let's just lift our hands to heaven and say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus. And I ask you right now to forgive me in any area of my life why I've grieved the Holy Spirit and hindered his power in my life from manifesting. I declare in Jesus' name that I'm going to be more responsive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and be more aware of his abiding presence in my life. And I thank you right now for forgiving me. I repent before you now. And your word tells me that if I repent, you are faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I thank you for it. I receive it now. I'm in right standing with you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you right now, Father, for the Holy Spirit to continue to reveal in me 
areas of my life that I need to get in you. And I will respond to you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Doctor. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.